of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another evening, Wednesday evening, reflecting into the richness of our faith. And as we do each and every Wednesday, we take up Pope Francis. And if you're a faithful listener to this radio program, you know that I have Bob Cross joining me. And once again, I have Bob Cross with me tonight. So, Bob, it is great to have you with me. Always great to be here, Joe. Wednesday night. Pope yeah, that's Francis right. Night. <laughs> that's right. Pope Francis Night. And, you know, two weeks ago, we really focused in on, Bob, where is Pope Francis in the news? And last week, we took up our whole time together to talk about the joy of the gospel. Tonight, we are going to go back to some of our original format where we will spend maybe 10 minutes or so talking about where Pope Francis is in the news and then get back into joy of the gospel. As uh, Tonight, we'll have the opportunity to talk more about um, this crisis of, uh, of the culture and our commitment to re-engaging the culture. But before we get to that, so where is Pope Francis in the news? Well, certainly he had some strong words uh, this past week, words that were headline news, headline words on CNN, Fox News, and the rest. What were those words about? Well, he excommunicated the mafia. So what is that all about? Well, let's take a step back to kind of grab a hold of what had actually happened, and then we'll explain what excommunication is all about and what it actually means, Bob. So this past January... The mafia murder of a three-year-old boy in a Cassano car bombing sparked outrage across Italy and saw Pope Francis Bob deliver a great number of prayers and a strong, strong rebuke for the perpetrators uh, at a then-Sunday Angelus. Now, I go there because this past week he was in a town, Calabria, and he met with the grandparents and the parents of this uh, three-year-old boy who had died. And I think his name was Coco uh, Campolongo. So it was during his homily uh, over this past weekend that he offered up those strong words on the heels of meeting the parents and grandparents of this three-year-old boy who was um, killed. And he said this, you know, he, he'd offered up some nice words about, you know, the gospel message. And then as he was talking, he kind of pulled his head up and said this, Gangsters adore evil, and those who in their lives follow this path of evil, as mafiosi do, they are not in communion with God, they are excommunicated. Strong words, Bob. Strong words. Holy Father calling out the mafia, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, what a... Wouldn't it have been just wonderful to be there and and watch this? You know, it, the news clips show this very gentle man who always has that wry little smile on his face as he's reaching out and uh, doing the unexpected as it relates to engaging the crowds or kissing the wall in Jerusalem or all these you know wonderful pontifical things that we think about when we think about Pope Francis. But here he is calling out the mafia, not just calling them out, but excommunicating them. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's. It's pretty amazing when you stop to think about it. I mean, uh, 
fearless. Yeah. Nothing else too, because I mean, you know, you're. Not, it's not like you're excommunicating somebody just down the street or That's somebody right. you saw that was doing something wrong. Yeah. But, Excommunicating is, uh, it's, yeah, I know we're going to talk about it, but mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's strong stuff. Yeah, fearless. I mean, Pope Francis himself, there was even speculation, are there going to be death threats yeah. from this? Well, he's fearless because those who he is talking to are in fear. I mean, he is in this town, Bob, where this three-year-old died. And so when, when he delivers this message, the whole congregation stands up and cheers. I mean, they were applauding him for his courage, for his fortitude to stand in, you know, and look into the eye of the storm and say, you know, do your best. No way. There is something we call truth, and this is wrong. And so very important. Now, in saying that, Bob, did Pope Francis excommunicate individual gangsters? Did he simply issue a group uh, condemnation? I mean, what is excommunication and what is its effect? So we can say the simple definition is that excommunication puts a person out of communion with the church. They are outside the body of Christ and therefore are not entitled to receive the body of Christ at Mass. Excommunication, Bob, is, it is not an arbitrary punishment. A person puts himself outside the body of Christ by behavior or believes that by their very nature exclude Uh, the individual or the person from belonging uh, fully to the church. I mean, we ought to, uh, Bob, think about the church like that of a family. We have talked about this a a great deal. I mean, the church is the family of God, so we we should use uh, the family as an analogy to better get a hold of some of these truths. I mean, if a child rejects his family through hatred and violence, he puts himself outside of fellowship and communion with his family. Now, I've already been asked on several uh, different occasions, where is this in Scripture? Is such a teaching on excommunication rooted in Scripture? And the simple answer is yes, (laughs) it is. I mean, the necessity of excluding some people from the fellowship of the Church is very much uh, grounded in the sacred text. Our Lord says in Matthew 18 that there is a method for correcting a brother and that the ultimate action is to treat him as a Gentile and tax collector. In other words, to exclude him. We read uh, Bob in the writings of St. Paul, uh, where he recommends the excommunication for those guilty of sexual immorality, idolatry, drunkenness, swindling. But what is important for us to understand, Bob, is that they can be restored through repentance and making amends with their life. Now, All of that being said, there are a number of, I believe, salient points to be had about the nature of excommunication itself. You know, canon law uh, on excommunication, they call it a censor. This means it is a medicinal discipline. It is not simply a punishment. So in saying it is medicinal, we mean that it is intended to help the person realize the error of their ways and ultimately, Bob, bring them back into the fold. The intention, therefore, is not to exclude them uh, forever or condemn them, condemn them to hell for eternity. And I think people have this idea. Ultimately, it is there so as to exclude them until such time that they repent and return to the way of the Lord. Now, 
going deeper to the question that I've been asked, you know, how does excommunication work? Well, there are two kinds of excommunications. One is automatic, and the other is imposed by what we would say a competent uh, church official or church authority. So an automatic excommunication is incurred for certain grave sin. So for example, a person is automatically excommunicated for having abortion or procuring an abortion. The problem with automatic excommunication is that it cannot be, say, enforced even if a priest knows that a person has been automatically excommunicated. The excommunication has to be recognized and declared by the bishop formally for it to be actually enforced. Now, excommunication is lifted through the sacrament of reconciliation and often, Bob, what we'd say a more formal lifting of of, uh, censure. So this power is granted to a bishop and often delegated to priests. If the excommunication was incurred because of something like heresy or disobedience by religious, the person may be required to formally affirm the creed and make a new vow of obedience. All of that being said, what happened when Pope Francis, quote-unquote, excommunicated the mafia. Essentially, here, Bob, he declared in an informal way that they have cut themselves off from the church. Uh, By the way, the context to all of this, Bob, is the mafia uh, last year kind of challenged the Pope. The Pope had some strong words for the mafia, and they challenged the Pope. Well, it's not like he's, he's excommunicated us. That's what they literally said. So here you have him <laughs> at this homily excommunicating the mafia. Uh, he took that challenge seriously, would you say? <laughs> so ultimately, their actions of greed and violence have caused them in the mind and heart of Pope Francis and certainly in the wisdom of the church to be separated from Christ. And if they continue on their path, they are therefore cut off from heaven. The Pope did not make a formal declaration of excommunication because to do that, he would have to name names and go through a very formalized process. We must remember in the end, Bob, that the mission of the church is to draw souls to Christ and to his salvation and mercy. So the reason for excommunication is to give impetus to a more repentant soul. The church exists to offer Christ's mercy to all who repent, and excommunication serves that greater goal. Well, I would think that if you think about it very simply, I mean, evil and greed are the opposite of, of good, of goodness, of love, of charity, which is God, which is the church. And if the mafia or if anyone is subscribes to a life or actions that are evil and greedy, they're doing it themselves. Yeah, I don't think Pope Francis was as much saying he's excommunicating the mafia, but just saying they're pretty much precluding themselves. They're excluding themselves from the grace of God. They're removing them from God, themselves from God, by virtue of the way they go about their business. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's just giving them a very, very frank statement that establishes that very that very fact that they have removed or they've excluded themselves from the graces of God, mm-hmm. excluded themselves from the church, 
they've in, set, in essence have excluded, uh, excommunicated themselves. He's just bringing it, I think, in a in from his his pulpit, from mm-hmm. his his yep. position, um, a little bit more, giving it a little more weight, giving it a little more, you know, of a pointed, you know, um, declaration, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, there are some words that we use in the English language that simply have stronger meaning. We choose certain words for a reason. The word excommunication has a lot of weight. And be clear, he is making a statement. Informally, yes, but a statement nonetheless. I mean, you are adorers of evil, you know, we talk about adoration, you know, within Catholic circles, we talk about the adoration of the Eucharist, where we spend time with Jesus and in, in, in before the true presence of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, you are an adoration of evil, Satan. I mean, how many times have we talked about this, Bob, for yes. all of every uh, week, uh, for he's, all of us yeah, who want yeah. this, this teddy bear Pope, he's constantly talking about Satan, Lucifer, evil, the enemy, and it, it, he he doesn't let up, and here he is. You are adorers of evil. Ah, and what did he just do? He made a judgment, huh? We said, well, you know, Pope Francis says, I do not judge. Let us be clear in what he was saying. I do not judge what I do not see, what is subjective, hidden, internal, unseen. I judge, as Christ judged, what is objective, external, revealed, seen. He sees the evil, the intrinsic evil that the mafia is a part of, and he says definitively, you are adorers of evil. There is nothing that is non-judgmental about that statement, Bob. Now, the drive-by media reports this, and they, you know, they, they give it the, the warm and fuzzy. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, come on, this, this pope just called out the mafia. And, and as he should... This whole town, as many towns in the country of Italy, Italy, if you're from there, you know this, live in fear to the mafia. It's no wonder he's talked so often about this. So for all of this, Bob, this is very important, especially as we are talking about in the document, Joy of the Gospel, this need to identify what we're dealing with as it relates to the culture of death so as to be able to better evangelize uh, the culture of death and how we need to increase in our commitment to serve the noble and greater good, huh? I mean, this is what Pope Francis is is after. So there's very much a glove ball fit to what we're talking about now and where we're heading with Joy of the Gospel. Right, I mean, and we can read from, you know, the the Joy of the Gospel and second section of this document, um, close to where we left off last week. Yep. You know, the ties, like you said, it, it dovetails with everything that this, this man is all about and what he lives and what he, he represents, um, reads as thus. We are living in an information-driven society which bombards us indiscriminately with data, all treated as being of equal importance and which leads to remarkable superficiality in the area of moral discernment. In response, we need to provide an education which teaches critical thinking and encourages the development of mature moral values. Yeah, I mean, so what is Pope Francis saying there? I I think we've already touched upon it before, Bob, where he says, hey, we have a problem in our culture when we are just as concerned, if not more concerned, with what the NASDAQ read is and what our portfolio looks like versus or against 
all of those who are dying in the streets. When our, when our morning news is about the index versus uh, the homeless, we have a problem. And we are not thinking about this as a problem. And I love the fact that he says we need to, quote, teach critical thinking that in the end encourages the development of mature moral values. What is he saying? He's talking about the area of moral discernment. To be able to look at a situation and identify it as either right or wrong. We're talking about the mafia. <laughs> Let us not be concerned if we live in this small town of Calabria with, say, uh, where the housing market is at. If we're more concerned with that versus the mafia, we have a problem. He's identifying a problem. Now, in paragraph 65, I love what he does because essentially it is, in a way, him exercising the point he's making in the end of paragraph 64. Right. He's, he goes on to say, Despite the tide of secularism, which has swept our societies in many countries, even those where Christians are a minority, the Catholic Church is considered a credible institution by public opinion and trusted for her solidarity and concern for those in greatest need. Again and again, the Church has acted as a mediator in finding solutions to problems affecting peace, social harmony, the land, the defense of life, human and civil rights, and so forth. And how much good has been done by Catholic schools and universities around the world? This is a good thing, yet we find it difficult to make people see that when we raise other questions less palatable to public opinion, we are doing so out of fidelity to precisely the same convictions about human dignity and the common good. Yeah. He is saying to us, okay, I've, I've asked you to think critically about matters. Now I'm going to show you how I think critically about such matters. So in this paragraph, paragraph 65, he's encouraging all readers and listeners to look at what he's saying carefully. Essentially, he's making us think critically. He's saying, yeah, <laughs> this person praises the church for its work in the area of poverty, but condemns the teaching on abortion. <laughs> how, how can you do that? It is the same Christ who says, when you serve the poor, you serve me, who also was constant in his affection for little ones. You cannot separate the one person of Jesus Christ. And what Pope Francis is doing for us, he's saying, hey, look, Look at all the good that the Catholic Church does. Don't you think there's some symmetry, there's some seamlessness to what it has done on this front and why it teaches what it teaches on that front? Don't you see? We cannot truncate the picture of the nature of truth because it is absolute. It is one. Do not be fooled by this media outlet or that media outlet that would suggest the Catholic Church is any less because it teaches what it teaches on this front? Are you going to affirm the beauty of the Catholic Church? He talks about the defense of life, human civil rights, uh, the university, the hospital. He talks about all these great things, and then you're going to condemn it? You know, what person, Bob, affirms the beauty of another person and then turns around and condemns that person? That's what we are doing to Jesus Christ when we condemn the church, right? <laughs> That's what we're doing. I've never known anyone to 
to say to me, hey, Joe, have you met uh, Jane Smith? Wow, she's beautiful. Her joy, man, her, the work she does, it's incredible. She has nine kids. She's a saint. Oh, but boy, my goodness, have you, have you eaten her food? You, know, <laughs> you don't do that. You don't do that. No. Why do we do that then with the church? Why, Bob? I mean, I, I sit here, and this is what Pope Francis is saying. Right. <laughs> this is what he's saying. Hey, yeah, we have to start thinking critically mm-hmm. about this. It doesn't make sense. It's nonsense, nonsensical. If anyone says to us, stop thinking critically about this. No, 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 no. no. It's all about the critical thought. You know, we were just talking about the church father, Tertullian. Last night, Bob, and it's fascinating how he would, on one hand, almost affirm heresy, not the heresy itself, but how heresy has uh, allowed the church to think more critically about herself and ultimately allow the church to expand in her wisdom and, in, in, and her insight. Why? Because when we are challenged with something, it calls us forth, it calls us out. Remember, challenge from Latin, provocatio, to call forth, to call out. What Pope Francis is doing here is he's calling us out. Think critically about this. And he's doing it in a beautiful way. He's saying, hey, look, look at A, B, C, D, and E. And now you're going to be critical of F? Come on. And, you know, I, th- I don't think it's just from the people outside of the church. Oh, uh, no. It's definitely no. that he's, he's calling out about, hey, recognize what the, you know, critically think about what the church really represents and the spirit of what the church mm-hmm. does and its charity. And it's, it's many, many things that we've, we just mentioned. But I think... As members of the church itself, as a members of the family of of uh, of, of God in in Christianity and, and especially with the Catholic faith, too often you know we're looking outside. It's too we're too near it. We can't see the forest for the trees. We're yeah. we're involved with the church, and uh, we buy into some of the criticisms we hear or that we we are in you know inundated with yeah. in the media, and and sometimes start buying into it and don't stop to think back and look at just how how wonderful it is and what what amazing things that the church represents because the church is rooted in Jesus Christ. Amen, Bob. And so let's think about this here. What does Pope Francis mean to say and what do we mean to say when we talk about critical thinking? Well, we have been given this capacity, Bob, to reason through situations so as to come to understand them for what they are. The instrument to reason is the principle of logic. It's really the first principle as it relates to coming to understand something. We can apply logic and look at something for what it is, and, and I'd be able to identify it for what it is, to call it by its name, the name that belongs to what it, whatever it is that we are being called to identify. And so when we talk about critical thinking, uh, what he's saying is we need to educate people in how to think more critically, but at the same time, educate them in, in the nature of what it means to be critical of something. And not in a demeaning and disparaging way where you're judging or condemning something, but just more generally how you come about to see something for what it is, you know, how you come to a- arrive at a conclusion. You know, I mean, every scientist has his principles in his inquiries and research uh, that allows him to come to his conclusion, Right. So as faithful Christians and Catholics, we need to do the same with both faith and reason. That being said, Bob, we only have a few minutes left, but I did want to just briefly talk about the importance of the family, as he does in some of these last few paragraphs in this subsection on the life of the church amidst this cultural crisis that we're living in. 
And essentially, he echoes the documents of Vatican II when he says the family is the cell to society. If the family is not rooted in prayer, and if the family is not rooted in this self-donating, self-giving versus the self-seeking and self-getting, then in the end, it will not serve the greater whole. He's putting a priority on the family as all of the major documents have in the history of the church as it relates to evangelization. Because if we don't get it right first in the family, then simply we're not going to get it right outside of the family. Because it is in the family that we come up against all of the concreteness, Bob, and particularity of saying yes to Jesus Christ and, and no to the adversary. I mean, how many times, how many situations, how many circumstances, Bob, do we come up against each and every day within the family where we are called to give of ourselves in a greater way? It's constant. So what Pope Francis is saying is essentially that great truth, that great overarching truth as it concerns Christianity. We must first be rooted in relationship with Jesus Christ and allow that relationship to mature within the family setting so as to be able to better serve the world. It is that in God for other, new identity, new goal, understanding the gift of Jesus Christ so as to better understand the task of Jesus Christ, to come to know him so as to make him known, to change everything in our life so as to better understand how to change society. All of this all this is rooted in what Pope Francis is saying here in the family. The family is where it all shakes out. So the family has to become a community of self-donating love. And that's what is at the heart of it. Sure. And, you know, it's, it's not hard to look around and just say, what is it that we can do as one, one man, one woman, one person? Um, but really what we're called to do is do what we can within our own families. That's right. Yeah, and that's... Many times we get overwhelmed to think there's something more that we should do or something we could be a part of. But, you know, there's no bigger, bigger responsibility than we have than to, you know, create an atmosphere of love within our own families. Amen. The imbalance of culture and society is only a reflection of the imbalance of the heart of man and the imbalance of family. All right, Bob, that's a wrap. Great program. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.